Welcome to Blackhawks Insider. I'm Carter Baum from Blackhawks.com. It's the relaunched, revamped Blackhawks Insider, which originally began at the dawn of podcasting. And after a couple season hiatus, we're excited to be back with several great voices in the mix. You'll hear from Blackhawks players and management, as well as roundtable discussion on the latest news with senior writer Chris Cook and Blackhawks TV's Adam Burrish and Eric Lear. This first episode was recorded just before the Blackhawks signed Vesna Trophy finalist Robin Leonard. So come back next week as we dive into what Stan Bowman says might just be the best one-two goaltending punch in the NHL. But there's plenty to discuss about the Blackhawks' busy offseason thus far, including the return of the mutt Andrew Shaw and much more. The 12th Annual Blackhawks Convention, presented by Magellan Corporation, will be held from July 26th through the 28th at the Hilton Chicago. The event, which is sold out every year, will feature both current Blackhawks players and alumni throughout the weekend and include numerous autograph and photo sessions, Q&A panels, exhibits, interactive games, and much more. Blackhawks players, coaches, executives, and alumni are expected to attend. Visit Blackhawks.com to purchase your passes today. That was one of Andrew Shaw's many memorable moments in his five seasons with the Blackhawks, of course, starting out his NHL career in Chicago, joined now by Blackhawks TV's Eric Lear and Adam Burrish, as well as senior writer Chris Cook from Blackhawks.com. Gentlemen, thanks for joining the revamped Blackhawks Insider today. Am I the one that took Adam Kempinar's seat too, by the way? All the fans out there, I'm sure, will remember Adam Kempinar starting this. So if if I suck, then blame Eric Lear. Another offseason acquisition <laughs> from Stan Bowman there. Yeah. Getting blamed already. Yeah, well, we're just getting warmed up here. Well, it's been a busy offseason for the Blackhawks over the last few weeks. July 1st has come and gone, and not necessarily a whole lot of action on July 1st. We'll start with on the eve of free agency, probably the biggest move thus far, the return of Andrew Shaw to the Blackhawks coming in from Montreal, along with a seventh round pick in exchange for a trio of Blackhawks picks and bringing the veteran back to Chicago, adding some grit to this Blackhawks lineup. I like the versatility too. That's what stands out to me with, with Shaw. He can he can be on the PK, he can be on that power play, we can see him in a lot of roles, front of the net, he can, he can kind of do a lot, which I really like with him. And, and we were just talking, Eric, before we got here, but for me, it's, I, you watch the Stanley Cup Finals, that's, I think, how you, you mimic other teams and what's working right now, what's winning. Man, those two teams that were in the finals, Boston and Carolina, there wasn't an inch of space. It was 1990, slashing, hooking, in your face, hitting. Uh, there was one game, I think it was game four, um, in St. Louis, I texted Patrick Sharp after the first period, and I said, "Is that was that the most physical Stanley Cup final game you've seen in the last 10 years? Because I think it was. I mean, those guys were missiles out there launching bodies at each other. Um, you don't see that in the regular season, and it, it felt like the NHL was going to their skill games, skate around, fly around, pretty plays, circle back, which it was for a while. All of a sudden, then you see these two bruising teams out there smacking each other in the face. Well, now you see all these GMs like, well, we better load up here. We better get some meat and some grit. And I think fans that are listening and watch the Blackhawks last year, that was probably the biggest complaint I heard is where's all the hitting? Where's all the physical play? Well, the game's changed a little bit. And and I would ask for that because that's what I like to watch. And then people would come back at me and say, you're a meathead. You sucked anyways. So, of course, you want the hitting and fighting. But I think now it's a tough combination for general managers to find is that balance of skill and speed 
but yet you got to have that physicality. I think it more starts on the back end, and it's not fighting anymore. Look at St. Louis's back end. Those guys don't fight. Petrangelo doesn't fight, but he's big. He's tough. Bomeister's big. Um, they had big guys at the back end. Bortuzzo's just a stay-at-home, steady guy. The Blackhawks go out and sign DeHaan, who's a big shutdown guy. Olimata, shutdown guy. These guys aren't flashy guys, but I can tell you playing against those kind of guys, it sucks every night. And then you throw a guy like Andrew Shaw in who makes people uncomfortable. And I think good teams, you always have to have guys that make other teams uncomfortable. But I like when they make guys in the locker room uncomfortable too. Not only that, Adam, you know, Stan Bowman brought up a good point that Blackhawks have plenty of guys who can score highlight real goals. Uh, but they don't have a lot of guys who are right in front of the net yeah. for the Adam Burris type of goals, right? Um, I think that Andrew Shaw is able to get a shot off in front of the net, not afraid to take a hit. Uh, the, just the kind of guy that you need to free up some of the uh, time and space for some of your other guys, but a lot of those greasy goals. Yeah, he, I mean, uh, I, w- I was telling Eric, too, is look, look at the highlight tape of the 13 Stanley Cup, and every clip you see of Shaw was something different. Right. It was a power play goal. It was a shot from the top of the circles. It was a big hit. It was a block shot. It was him busting his nose or getting his face cut open. Uh, he plays game three of the regular season like he does game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. So uh, those kind of guys, they're invaluable. He's coming off a career year, too. I mean, yeah. a really good year in Montreal, so it's nice to see that, that he's building off of what he did here, yeah. too, and putting some points on the board. Career highs in both points with 47 and assists with 28 in 2019, including he missed the month of January with a neck injury, but he came back from that bigger and stronger than ever. He had eight goals and 13 assists in his last 27 games of the season, and he mentioned in a conference call on Sunday night that he's feeling ready to go. He didn't take much time off during the offseason because his body's ready to go. He's chomping at the bit to get started back in Chicago. Well, you, these guys don't. It's, it's different now than it was 10 years ago. Is guys don't take time off. It was a week after the season this year. I still remember I came, came over here to the Blackhawks practice rink, and Kane and Debrinkit were on the ice, and Crawford was on the ice already. Those three guys were skating. They had been on the ice for an hour and 15 minutes. Crawford had just got done, and Kane and Debrinkit were out working on catching pucks in their feet and just with one little kick, getting it up to their forehand, and boom, snapping a shot off. Um, so these guys now, it, it's changed that way too, where it's now train, get on the ice right away. Maybe you don't have to squat 500 pounds, but let's start skating and let's start moving. And uh, I know, Chris, I'm sure you were trying to find guys to talk to a month into the offseason and five or six years ago, and there was nobody around, nobody on the ice. There's guys around now working at this. Yeah, you always hear stories about the old-time Blackhawks, old-time players would throw their skates in the trunk yeah. and then open them up again in September and they'd be all rusted. And it's not like that anymore. I mean, I'm, you used to take, what, a couple of weeks off and then get back on the ice and there's always weight training. It's just yep. a, And nutrition's a big deal now. It's just a different kind of NHL now. Yeah. The irony of it all is that uh, Andrew Shaw got word of his new acquisition while he was sitting on the runway in Chicago. He had been in town visiting his brother over the last week and was on his way back to Toronto when he found out, hey, you and your wife and, and new baby are coming back <laughs> to Chicago as a member of the Blackhawks. But another move, Stan Bowman and Chicago making uh, on July 1st, bringing in Ryan Carpenter from the Las Vegas Golden Knights, a guy who hasn't played a whole lot in terms of a, a top six role, but a good depth center, another right-handed shot that uh, Bowman mentioned he was desperate to get in a, a left-handed heavy lineup right now for Chicago. And that's what Carpenter is. He uh, Fans shouldn't expect him to set the world on fire in your top six. He's a bottom six role player guy. I played with him in San Jose and then in San Jose's minor league team. Um, is where I spent some a couple, well, probably two months with him. And I was really impressed by him. Uh, and I remember he and I, you know, before practice some days, just sitting there kind of chatting and me kind of quietly, quietly trying to encourage him, yeah, you're in the minors. And he, he felt like he was buried. He was in the third or fourth line. 
on their American League team, but the coach really liked him down there. Uh, the team, his teammates really liked him. He was a really respectful, quiet, nice kid. He was always early in the gym. He would always stay out there late and work on his shot and work on little things. Uh, he doesn't drink. Uh, at least he didn't. Uh, he didn't drink. He didn't swear. He wouldn't, he wouldn't throw F-bombs around. Um, and he worked really, really hard. Um, and so he was, he was an impressive guy. And he, didn't, he wasn't the guy that didn't drink and didn't swear and was kind of his nose up in the air that I'm better than all you clowns. Um, he did it in a really respectful, cool way, and his teammates really liked him. And, and I remember talking to him, like, if you keep going, man, you're going to be a really good NHL player because coaches will appreciate the low-maintenance factor for him. He, he's not loud. He's not going to complain about no playing time or not being on the power play. He's going to finish every hit. He's going to battle every face-off. He's gonna, the coach is going to pull him in. Jeremy's going to pull him in the office and say, here's what I need out of you. I need you to have four hits tonight. I need you to be great on special teams. I need you to block shots. And I need you to be a great face-off guy for us. He's going to go out there and he's going to do that perfectly every single night. You tell him what to do, he's going to do it. So his teammates and coaching staff are going to love this guy. It fits a good need, too. You talk about the defensive defenseman on the left side that they picked up, building up the middle, too, with Andrew Shaw. You've got a guy who can win some face-offs here in Carpenter, coming off nearly 53% uh, victories. He's at around 50 for his career. So you build those defensive guys. Penalty kill improves. Defensive zone play. So, uh, I mean, I really like... I really like what Stan's done this offseason. He said he, the needs that he needs to address, and he's addressed them. And he was playing big minutes in Vegas. When, when the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights were in that finals, uh, that coaching staff, they had him out there in a lot of big situations, a lot of important minutes. He wasn't playing three, four minutes a night. Uh, he was playing in key situations in that big run that they had two years ago. You know, I know when free agency rolls around, July 1st rolls around, everybody wants to see big names. So bring yeah. some big names. Stan Bowman, detail of his plan was going to be saying, I'm going to rebuild this team, I'm going to retool this team through trades. If there's some low-key free agent signings, that's exactly what he's done because you overpay it for, on July 1st. Yep. And he didn't do that here. He didn't do that with Andrew Shaw. So he's still got some cap space, which I think is really important because you've got some big signings next year, uh, Debrink and Strom, and you've got a little flexibility to do something later on. I think that's very important. Stan Bowman has not had that cap space. So while they didn't get a huge name, wasn't a very sexy name, it fills a need, and it really kind of balances out the bottom part of that top of uh, the, uh, the forward lines. And I wasn't a stats guy. I still am not, uh, probably because I never had very many <laughs> good stats. But this team didn't have a problem scoring goals. Right. That, that, was, that clearly wasn't their issue. And even the guys in the team, when I talk to them, they, they talk about that. Couldn't keep the puck out of our net. We know we had to score five every night to win. And then they complain. It, 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 it's true, and I don't think they'll have a problem me saying it, but they would talk the last couple of years, we don't have guys like Shaw here anymore. We don't have those those kind of guys and that's what we need we need some guys like him and that's what they missed they didn't miss you know more goal scoring they wanted some grit and some that's something that when you go into a game you know I got this wild animal this Shaw mutt guy over my shoulder that he's going to go and bite someone's face off if it gets ugly and it gives everybody a little bit of confidence and it, and it kind of makes you laugh a little bit it breaks up the season a little bit when you're in February in the tough time of the season I need to get up for this game I need something to get up for this game and the puck puck drops and all of a sudden Shaw goes out there and just kills somebody in the corner all right now we're back into this thing and they haven't had those kind of guys in a couple years well the guy you know if you guys are listening the guy you asked for he's back what exactly does he do in the room to get those guys to play better to get everyone around him playing better during an intermission or before a game you don't know that's why it's that's why it's cool that's why it's effective because a guy like him you don't know what he's going to do today you don't know what he's going to do in the locker room you don't know what he's going to say or he may come in after the period and, and break 10 sticks over the wall he may throw his helmet across the room he may tell a funny joke he may start dancing before a game um, but he keeps people on edge those kind of guys keep people on edge you don't know what you're going to get every day 
And then, I mean, you only talk about the games, but people don't get to see practice too. You've covered practices, and I'm sure, Chris, and I'm sure you would see when he'd go out there and finish a hit and just flat back a guy. And all of a sudden, oh, oh my God, the practice. Now it's on. Now we got, now we, we got to buckle up and practice harder now uh, because those guys, he's got one speed. They, they, those guys, you, you can't turn it off. You practice, you play. It's 100 miles an hour with this guy. I was really impressed listening to his conference call and asking him a couple of questions. Uh, you know, he kept saying, he said two or three times, you know, I'm more mature now. More mature as a man and as a player. He's, he's gotten married. He's got a, a young daughter now. And he just sounded different. I don't know if you heard it, but he sounded like a guy who, you know, before, you know, back when he was early on in his career, was a lot of, yeah, I love my teammates. This is awesome. He was, really gave some in-depth answers and uh, really was very introspective. I think that can only add, help him as a, as a hockey player, right? If you mature as a person, as a man, that's going to help you on the ice. Maybe he's more disciplined. We know we, he's had a history of taking some, some bad uh, penalties. Yeah. I think that that can help him along the lines. And that, that can also go a long way towards some of the younger kids in the locker room too. Yeah, well, and, and keep in mind too, part of that of him saying he's matured, he, he hears that a bad penalty. He's nervous coming back here. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that. I, I, I'm, I can tell you right now I'm jealous of him. I'm grossly jealous that he got a chance to come back and play here. You win a cup, you leave, everybody wants to come back and get a chance to play here. And he, he gets that chance now. And so he's really excited, but there's a lot of nerves there too, in a positive way, good nerves, where he knows he's going to come back here. This whole city is going to go crazy that first game when he skates onto that ice, excited to see him. His teammates are going to be, but there's a lot of pressure there now. Now I gotta, I've got to turn it back up again. Now I got to get that, I got to be that wild animal that everybody's expecting out there. Um, but I've also got to keep it between the lines, and I don't want to be taking those penalties that people criticize me for because players, we hear that. You hear what's being said about you. So he is matured, he's older, he's married. You know, His life has taken a different path that way, but that's also some of the nerves talking. Like, i got to focus this thing in, and i got to be dialed in because there's a lot that's expected of him near him now, and I think that's a great thing. I think that's going to make him every day, got to be on. i got to be back to that guy that I was, which, which is not hard to do. Uh, having that pressure, I think, is a good thing. You leave here and you go and make $4 million in Montreal in a crazy media market where everybody's on you. He's expected to score a goal every single night. And maybe his teammates and his fans don't appreciate as much the, the little things that he does in the locker room and on the ice and his, his hits and his forechecks and his fighting. Where you come back to Chicago, and I, and I can tell you from my personal experience, people make you feel important. They make you feel special here. The fans make you feel special. And I'm sure he felt the same way. It wasn't the goal scoring that, that people patted him on the back for. It was having his face cut up after a game. It was running guys over. It was being unpredictable out there and doing those little things. So I'm sure for him that's one of the exciting things about him coming back is, the, is, is feeling that energy from the fans. There was also a narrative kind of going around social media. It's like, all oh, the Blackhawks are bringing back all the old guys again and hasn't worked all that well for some of these players. Worked pretty well for Christopher Stieg. But I think this is a little bit different case. What, he's 27, 28 years yeah, old? Yeah, he's young. Yeah, I mean, he always had this energy. So to me, it's not just bringing back an old guy no. who had past glory. This is an effective player coming off one of his better offensive seasons. He's going to fit seamlessly in the dressing room. To me, it's, it's a really good yeah. uh, trade. And Stan Bowman's saying on, on his conference call after the trade was made that they didn't want to part ways with him right. a few years ago. They had to because of cap reasons and because of the ever-changing nature of the NHL salary cap. Now his cap hit is a very attractive number for a guy who's going to play a big role in that locker room. Chris, you had an opportunity to sit down with Stan and go really in-depth, probably something that I think everyone wanted to do and get his outlay of what the offseason looks like, what he wants this team to be in 2019-2020. Expand on what, what Stan was able to tell you and, and maybe what you were able to take away from your two-part conversation with him uh, that people can read right now on Blackhawks.com. Well, Stan's trying to balance between putting a competitive team on the ice this season 
and get back into the postseason with also looking not to next year, but two, three years down the line. So it's easy to say, yeah, sign everybody, bring it, go all the way up to the cap. This team was hindered throughout the years. We saw what happened after 2010, after 13, after 15. He's jettisoning players that he didn't want to jettison, including Andrew Shaw. So he's, keep, he's sticking to the script of bringing in some guys who are, have uh, you know, less term on their contracts so that you, know, you're not, you don't have guys locked up for six, seven years, and at some point you're either getting rid of them or you're, you're battling a salary cap crunch again. He's really playing it exactly how he said, I'm going to do it through trades. I'm going to do it with guys who have no more than two or three years left in their contracts. I've got an eye on the future. I've got a little cap space for if we need it. If we're competitive down the line this season, we can go ahead. We can bring somebody in. Or I'm going to make sure that I can lock in some of those key pieces next couple of seasons. And I think that's really something he hasn't been able to do over the years because he hasn't had that cap space. And it's, it's interesting to watch what's going on here. And it seems like a more balanced hockey team to me. Yeah. You know, you've got those guys. We all know about the studs, right? The Taves, the Canes, the Keiths. Those guys are all there. Now you're bringing in, you're, you're, you're fortifying the lower lines. Uh, you're bringing in defense, which they certainly needed. I mean, they couldn't keep the puck out of the net last season. So this, to me, has been a pretty good offseason for Stan Bowman. While the names haven't been Panarin, you know, uh, Pavelski, those guys, it's really been a, a, a good group of guys who can really fit in well. What, what about the, uh, did, I, I don't know if you pressed him on it, but I know the fans that I always hear, it's like, well, why are we, what about five, five years down the road? Who cares? We've got a window here with Kane and Taves that's, you know, it's not, it's slowly running out. I still think they've got five good, at least five good years ahead of my, I, I, I think Kane could play another 10, no problem. Um, but you will get fans that'll say that, right? I, come on, Stan, we got a short window here with these guys left. They're not getting any younger. So let's, why aren't we swinging at this thing now? I actually did ask him about that, especially as a GM ultimately it falls on you when you don't make the playoffs. Yep. And they haven't made the playoffs, and they haven't gotten out of the first round in, what, four seasons. This is something that, you know, I said, I didn't say, are you worried for your job? But he said, listen, I build this team. I'm trying to put a competitive team in the ice for this season, but I'm also looking down two, three years down the line. You have to build something here. You can't go forward every year. Fans would like that. Plus, it always doesn't, doesn't always work out when you bring yep. in these big names. Okay, now we've got this team. Look at it on paper. It doesn't work that way, no. right? I mean, you know that there's, there's dynamics in the dressing room, dynamics on the ice. Um, I think he's doing the right thing. He's staying patient. I'm not sure I could stay that patient when I'm looking yeah. at not making the playoffs, but he is a guy who is staying patient. He's got a plan. He's sticking to it, and you have to admire that part at least. Yeah, I, well, I agree. I mean, if you look at the you know, going and getting Olin Mata and Calvin DeHaan and now Shaw, um, these are, to me, it feels like there's a lot more activity going on than there has been in the last two or three years. And, yeah, it's not Panarin type of names, but they're still pretty big names. If you guys that, if there's people that watch hockey and know the names, these aren't just, you know, minor league guys that are coming up. These are guys that Stan is fitting into a place and fitting into a role. He's addressing specific needs. Would it be nice to get Panarin back here? Yeah, it sure would have been, but he's very $11.5 million. That probably doesn't fit. And again, this team didn't have – they were one of the top goal-scoring teams in the league for a long time this past season, and they still missed the playoffs. So let's look at – and Stan, he, he's you know, way smarter than any of us in this room, and he is a very step-by-step process kind of guy. And so I, I do tip my cap to what he's done here, especially in the last, two, in the last week and in the last 48 hours here, that he's fitting pieces into this puzzle – and maybe he's listening to some of the players, too, because the stuff that I heard the guys talk about and complain's not the right word, but, but bring up, well, he's addressed those issues. Well, the irony of it is a few years ago in your situation where you're shedding salary cap and you're having to get rid of players for very little return, he's able to take advantage of teams doing that this right. season, yeah. particularly in Calvin DeHaan, a guy who he was able to get along with Alexi Sorella for two guys who were RFAs. 
He's plugging holes in. He identified yeah. what they are. And Adam maybe said maybe he's listening to players. He did tell me that uh, when Jeremy Colleton was interviewing assistant coaches, um, he, they would bring these guys in. There a lot of more NHL assistants already. And he said while they were in here, we asked him, what was it like playing the Blackhawks? What, was, you know, what did you see from us? And they told him. They said, hey, you guys were dangerous on the rush. But we knew that if we got in on the rush or if Easy. we got in deep, we were going to score some goals. And I think – Stan Bowman's very good at listening to what's going on out there. He takes advice, and he, he's got his ears open, and he heard what they were saying, and he didn't go out there and sign the top free agents, but he went out and he plugged some holes. He identified what needed to be done, including on defense, including on the fourth or third line. That's a smart GM, and so far, you know, we'll see if it plays out. He mentioned you can, sure. you can love a guy. You can love a guy. You can get him in a great term. You can, everything looks great, and he just doesn't produce like you think he's going to. But he's put himself in position right now to make this hockey team better for this season and still have some flexibility the next couple of seasons, and that's important. It feels like old news, but still within the last few weeks in terms of plugging the defense is the acquisition of Olimata. I know, Adam, you and Eric have talked a little bit about what this means for the team, but how does this really fit into a more complete defensive part of this lineup? Well, it's, a de- it's a defensive defenseman, uh, and that's what this team needed. It, it needed a, a tough kind of rugged defenseman that will block shots, that will be unreal on the penalty kill. This penalty kill has been terrible for two years now. Um, and some of that, is, it's, it's your approach. It's the personnel that you have. Guys willing to just, this is my job. I'm going to be so darn good at it. I'm going to block shots. I'm going to make it hard to get to the net. I'm going to have a great stick. Uh, Ole Mata, is a, he's a bit of a throwback defenseman. He's going to remind people, he's, you know, you talk about fitting holes. Well, everybody misses Nick Jarmelson. Uh, he's a Nick Jarmelson kind of guy. He's not a guy that's going to score 20 goals, but he's a guy that's going to lay down and block shots. He's going to finish his hits. He's going to crumble some guys in the corner. Uh, he's going to have a great stick. He's going to make a simple, hard, crisp pass. He does things the old school, hard way. And, and in the, in the sit-down that Eric and I did about him, I called Tony Granado, who's the coach at Wisconsin, who coached him in Pittsburgh, and he said, this guy is an ultimate pro. He goes, he is, he's the first guy at the rink every day. He's got his little habits that he works on every single in the gym and on the ice uh, to make his game better. He's an, he's an old pro. And the interesting thing, he said it three or four times when I called Tony Granado, was that he understands geniusly how to fit into a team. He understands what his role is going to be and what he needs to do to fit in. And, and he kept saying that. And, and if you kind of think about that, uh, it's a good lesson for young kids too. It's don't, you don't need to be Duncan Keith. Don't try and be Patrick Kane or be Duncan Keith. Look at the team and see how you can fit in and where the weaknesses are. And obviously, he's going to look at this team. He played against this team last year, and he's going to say, man, this team doesn't defend very well. They're easy to play against, like Chris said, down low. That's what other teams have said. He recognizes that. If, if Tony Granado's right about it, he's going to recognize that, and he's going to say, all right, guys, watch me how I play because I'm going to be real hard to play against down low. Nobody's getting the net against me. If they come and spray Corey Crawford, they're going to get a cross-check to the teeth, and I'm going to make this defensive core. I'm going to at least do my part to make these guys really hard to play against. So, again, Stan Bowman fits a piece that, that this team needed uh, into the back end. Dahan kind of fits that too as yeah. a defensive defenseman. That's what I really like about his offseason. He really addressed that. You know, you, you can only have so many Duncan Keith, Eric Carl. You can't have six Eric Carlsons yep. on the back end. You need these guys. And maybe it doesn't make you as excited in the offseason when you're seeing all these big names go for big money. But when the puck drops at the UC, those are the guys that you want on your team. And, and picking up two of those guys, I think you're going to see that pay some dividends for the Blackhawks. Well, and look zone. at the St. Louis Blues defense. I mean, your casual hockey fan, I bet you can't name me three blue, three defensemen on the Blues if, unless you watched every single game of the finals in, 
in February this season. You couldn't have named three. I mean, Colton Prenko, he's he should be a household name now, but he's just a steady stay-at-home defenseman that's a freak skater that can skate. But when he came up, he wasn't a, he was supposed to be an all-star defenseman. He was a big, heavy, shutdown defenseman that looks like Drago from the Rocky movies. That that was kind of it. And um, Bo Meester was at the tail end of his career. Everybody thought uh, Bortuzzo, six, seventh defenseman. Who's Bortuzzo? He scores a big goal in the Stanley Cup Finals, kind of like a. Uh, uh, Sopel did for the Blackhawks, scores one goal in the Stanley Cup Finals, but you've got a bunch of guys that just work in defensemen. You don't need the sexy, flashy little skill guys all the time to be effective, and St. Louis kind of showed everybody that, and, and I think Stan saw that too, and those are the pieces that, that Stan's added. The important thing is that you know what these guys are going to give you. You know yeah. what the Han and Mott are going to give you. Right, and you know what they're strong at. You know what they're not as strong at. The Blackhawks, you look at their farm system, yeah, we got a lot of young kids coming up. Let's get them up here, fans are saying, but you don't know what they're going to do. Nope. You don't know what kind of players are going to be. And I've talked to GMs throughout the years. They say it maybe, maybe takes 200, 250 games as, a, as mm-hmm. a defenseman in the NHL to really learn your craft, know where you should be, know when you can make the outlet pass. These younger guys might be more talented and certainly hopefully have better careers than any, anybody that can imagine, but you don't, they're a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get. You do with these two veterans. I think it's very important. Yeah. You almost get both with Mata because he's 24 years old. Yeah, right. He's played 360 he's games 32. in the NHL. Yeah. yeah, like you're getting kind of the best of both worlds there. Adam, as someone who's come into a locker room, a well-established locker room as a new player, how do you fit in? How do you, if you're Ole Mata, someone who's played almost his whole career in Pittsburgh and really made a name for himself there on that defensive unit, how do you come into this Blackhawks locker room and really fit in right from the get-go? It's You're quiet. You're not talking a whole lot, and even me. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Good luck shutting me up. Um, but for the most part, I didn't talk as much, and I wasn't as as loud. Um, you know, when I went into Dallas, even after winning a Stanley Cup in Chicago, you go in there and you just observe, and you listen, and you watch. Um, but where you try and make your, your impact and you try and be an example is just how you work, how you train. You walk into the training room or the, the training camp, and the first thing you do is your physical fitness testing. So you want to make an impact right away that you're serious and you're committed is, is that's number one. That's the first time anybody gets to see you in that organization is in your fitness training and, and the testing that you do and then training camp. So how's this guy going to work? And all the new guys are kind of watching you and, and seeing how, is, are you a dog? Are you, are you kind of faking it because you're an older guy or you want a Stanley Cup or you got the big contract, whatever it may be, all these guys are different, but it's the teammates are watching you and you're watching your teammates. And I think for the most part, the guys that are respected when they come in, um, they're not coming in and trying to run the show and they're not trying to take over. They're not trying to be the, the jokester, whatever it may be. You come in and you watch for a while and you're observant, but you work, try and outwork everybody. You try and show these guys that I'm here to work, I'm here to win. I'm here to, to, to fit in to however I can because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the Chicago Blackhawks and I, I see all those banners you guys are hanging up there and I see those pictures of Kane and Taves and Hosa and Sharp holding those Stanley Cups over their head and I know it's close here and I know that's what's expected here with these fans and this crazy building that we're in. So I'm going to try and fit in. I'm going to work my tail off to be a part of that and I think, you know, from, from all accounts, a guy like Ole Mata, that's what he's really good at is just coming in quietly and then setting an example of how, how, how he's going to work. And, and that's in practice, too. And there's going to be some guys in training camp that are going to take some cross-checks to the ribs. I can guarantee it from Ole Mata, but that's going to raise everybody's level up. Isn't Tahan a bit of a different situation, though? When, when we spoke to him right after he got traded, he was stunned. He said, I didn't think it was going to be me. Yeah. He liked it there. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's true. It's weird. It there. So now he's coming to a team. I'm sure he's going to be fired up. He wants to prove to everybody. But 
somewhere in the back of his mind is thinking, oh, I don't think I should be here. Yeah. I should be with my other guys. Is it a different situation there that he's got to kind of ease himself into it, plus he's got to, got, got to get the confidence from his teammates as well? Yeah, I, I like the nerves. I, I like it when guys are a little uncomfortable like that, I think. I, I, I think it may be like when I read it too, I was like, what do you mean, dude? You don't want to come to the Blackhawks? Like, what's wrong with you? You want to be in Carolina out there? Like, who, do you guys even get fans to your games? Well, you I know they those, did this you year. you see those post-game celebrations? I love I mean, that, by the way. I thought that, that was, was cool. That was great barbecue. They had the Hamilton. The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a fun Sun, time there. Good yeah. golf, yeah. sunshine. It's not Chicago, though. Slowly it, talking himself into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. well, maybe. Yeah. No, I'm good here. Big college basketball fan over here, yeah. so he wants yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, Duke. Um but so, I, yeah, I mean, when I read that, I was just kind of like, huh? But then I think that's, again, that's the nerves. That's like, all right, I'm going to a new place where there is big expectations. Some guys, and I'm not saying DeHaan is the guy, but some guys like not having all that heat on them. You know, and you're playing for the Chicago Blackhawks now. Um, you know, there's, Chris, you cover the team. There's not, you know, in San Jose, there's one beat writer in the locker room after the game. In Chicago, there's a locker room full of guys writing every night what's going on, and you're in the media every single day. And some guys aren't used to that. It could, you can get comfortable someplace. And I'm sure Carolina, now that they had a great season, it, it looked like a fun place to be this year. The fan celebrations. Um, you don't have media beating down your throat if you have an off game or an off night. Um, so I think at first some guys are like, I'm, I'm eased in here. I like this Carolina thing. We're winning. We're doing good. We go to, they go to the conference finals. Um, everything's good. I don't think I'm getting traded. And you do. It's scary. But now it's kind of like, oh man, now I'm in the now I'm in the big leagues. Now I'm in the NHL. I'm with the Chicago Blackhawks. They they expect to win Stanley Cups every year, so I think that nervous energy that he's going to have, I, I think for guys, that's always a good thing. And the good news is he doesn't have to take, you know, he doesn't have to be in the locker room, or the dressing room, every minute when the media is in there. He's nope. got guys like Duncan Keith who are going to be sitting there. Blackhawks lose six to one. Duncan Keith is at his stall waiting, ready to explain himself, ready to explain about the team. Kevin DeHaan can maybe fly under the radar here a yep. little bit. He's not the number one defenseman. He knows that. He's not a superstar. They've got plenty of them on the Blackhawks, so maybe he can ease into that. Um, he seemed like a, a smart guy, a guy who's willing to talk, so it'll be interesting how he kind of adjusts to that, dre- that dressing room culture because it's a little bit different from team to team. Mm-hmm. Blackhawks roster slowly taking shape here in the offseason. Before we go, I wanted to get your thoughts, Adam. A lot of these new guys coming in, we've talked about one of the first things they probably look at when the schedule came out last week or when they were acquired by the Blackhawks was when they faced their former team. A lot of different notes about the 2019-2020 schedule, which begins October 5th over in Czech Republic before seven straight at home at the United Center. When the schedule first comes out, when you look at the 2019-2020 schedule, what sticks out to you, Adam, and from a player's perspective of what you like, maybe what you don't like? Well, uh, a lot of back-to-backs, and those are hard for guys. Um, I, I don't read into those as much as some, you know, I, I know coaches and, and even players, too. You, you do talk about, oh, back-to-back, we got this team on a back-to-back, let's jump on them quick. I, I never really bought into that so much. Sometimes I think, you know, if you've got a team that's been off for three or four days and you've got a team that's coming off of back, playing on the second end of a back-to-back, They've been playing. They're, they're up to speed, and you've been practicing for three days. So I don't buy into that as much, but I think as a player, when you look at it, the more back-to-backs you have, it does take a toll on you because now all of a sudden you get a puck off the knee or off the ankle or you kind of bruise your shoulder on Friday night and you got to turn right back around on, on Saturday. You, you, you got home at midnight or 1 o'clock, and now you got a 6 o'clock game on, on Sunday, so you sleep for five or six hours. Most coaches, which I think is stupid, they still make you go to the rink at 9 in the morning and skate or do whatever you got to do, but... So now you got to get up early. You slept for four hours, five hours. Then you got to buckle up and play again and, and, and try and get rid of that ankle soreness or that shoulder soreness. So that's where it catches up to you as the season goes on. And the Blackhawks are packed with a lot of back-to-backs. I think it's fun for fans. I think I, think I love those Sunday afternoon games. I, I like the early ones always. I think as a player that's fun. But um, 
a lot of back-to-backs. So I think if you're going to have guys complaining about something, it's going to be that they're going to be complaining, like, who the hell did this schedule and stuck us with all these back-to-back this year? And then the media guys will be complaining too, but I'm, I'm not a complaining media guy, no. 16 I total back-to-backs up. this year for 16. the Blackhawks. Yeah, wow. So when you look at, you probably look at the schedule now like I do. This will be my sixth season yep. traveling, and I look at, I circle LA right away. I look at the Florida games. Chris, you've been doing it for a while. I'm sure you look for the sunshine too. Vegas. The <laughs> Nashville. Blackhawks yep. fan base travels so well. If you're a fan, you've been to all these cities. Where are you telling, hey, go go to this trip, go on this trip, check out this. This is a sneaky good city. From a fan perspective, what are you, what are well, you looking at? Well, I think everybody by now knows Nashville. Everybody knows that's the, the rink is in the middle of Bar Central, so you're, you will not have trouble finding a cold beer and good music in Nashville. I, if you haven't, I'm sure a lot of people, most people haven't been to a game in Vegas. I, I, you know, that, I think that you guys could all say too, that's the, I think it's one of the coolest atmospheres in hockey right now. Even I think it rivals Montreal, which everybody will say is, you know, that's like the New York Yankees of hockey. So everybody should get to a game there too. But I would say the, the atmosphere in Las Vegas for those hockey games rivals, rivals uh, Montreal. And I think if you ask players, they would say the same. I was, I was playing golf with a couple of the guys the other day and, I asked him that. I said, is Vegas, they go, the best. It's the coolest one right now. It's loud. It's obnoxious. It's cheesy, but still cool. It's Las Vegas cheesy with the neon lights and the, the, the big meathead guy screaming into the microphone the whole game. But it works, and it, and it gets the crowd pumped up and the fans pumped up and the nights pumped up. And for me, I, 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 think, that's a, I think it's a must-see for any hockey fan. You mean you don't have that five-game February swing through Central and Western Canada circled on your roster? Yeah, no, I, I was hoping to be sick for that one. And if this year, uh, I know Adam Kemp and I are sitting here. If you need any work from me, I think I'm going to have a have a little flu if, when we're going on that Western Canada one. Edmonton, it's not a city for me. I can't get any sunshine there. How about an underrated city? Do you have like the, the people always ask, what's your favorite road trip? Where do you like to go? Do you ever do you have one that it's kind of flying under the radar that you really enjoy? Mm, well, uh, Vancouver, I know guys talk a lot about that one. It's just it's a beautiful city. It's cool. They got great restaurants. We always had a couple really good restaurants we went to. So I always liked it there. Um, Montreal is cool just because you feel like you're old school hockey where all that history is. That one's always cool. Um, I'd like to say Colorado because of skiing, but um, other than that, I think those are kind of the ones. It, it's tough. It, people always ask that question, and it's hard to answer because people think, like, wow, this is a great life. You get to travel to all these cities and see all these cool things and experience all this stuff. I saw the inside of my hotel room, the inside of a bus, and the inside of a locker room. That's, that's pretty much what you see. So The beauty of being on our side of it now, you can at least sneak out uh, the night before the game. And, and well, I'll let you guys know which trips I want to go on. Don't you worry. You'll, you'll <laughs> find gonna, those out quickly. Don't kick me off the sunshine trips here, <laughs> yeah. Adam. You will see the inside of Tootsies. It's, uh, yeah, it's well, th- there you go. So I know Nashville, that was one thing, and I'm looking at I've got the schedule in front of me now as I'm looking at, all right, what's coming before... Well, they're in, in November 13th, they're in Las Vegas. Then if I'm a player, I'm hoping that we jump on that plane. We get to Nashville Thursday night, spend Thursday there, Friday there, and then play Saturday. That'd be a nice couple days. I'll in. let you know how that one is. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'd be begging the coach to let us go to, go to Nashville for that one. So that other than if you guys look at a schedule, the people that are listening, and you see a day you know, in between travel when you're on the road, that's the only time you really get a chance to go and explore that city or do something. Other than that, you're in and out. You finish that game, you get on the bus, and you fly home. So um, there's not a whole much, whole lot of exploring. Uh, one time in Carolina, since Calvin DeHaan get traded, we did go one time to a Duke North Carolina basketball game. So that was kind of cool. Sometimes if you can squeeze those in, um, no beers at the game that night because we were real professional. But um, uh, stuck but in that, a Duke game too on a Carolina did you? trip uh, on the on the mother and son trip. So I went with my mom. Did you bring mom too? I did. Brought mom, and I played basketball growing up. Yep. Played in college, yep. so it was pretty cool. 
So that was that was nice. an experience. Definitely, that's a that's a cool building. I mean, really cool, very cool building. Well, Blackhawks single game tickets will go on sale to the public on August twentieth. The best way to get the best seats right now, though, is by placing a group or partial plan deposit. Visit Blackhawks.com for more info on that, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us for the first uh, episode of the rejuvenated Blackhawks Insider. It's been great chatting with you all for about 30 minutes now. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to doing more. We might do one in Nashville one time. At Tootsie's, maybe? I think that's a plan. We'll what book time? the travel right now. Let's, yeah, let's just meet. Um, <laughs> what time? <laughs> we got to have a scouting, there anyway, a scouting <laughs> meeting, right? we got to go tour the area. Perfect. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll be back next week with more Blackhawks Insider previewing the development camp and more. Thanks for listening. Here's a steal by Shaw, trying to dance, he did, he scored, what a goal, Andrew Shaw, dancing with the stars, and he snapped